and welcome to this month's episode of Money Mountaineering with actuary Peter Newirth. I'm Hope Katz Gibbs, proud producer of the show on the Incandescent Radio Network and Incandescent TV. You are going to really enjoy Pete's conversation today with Russ Proctor, AVP and Managing Director of Pensions at Pacific Life Insurance Company. Before I throw it over to Pete, let me just tell you that Russ joined Pacific Life in 2011 and is now Assistant VP, Managing Director of Pensions, and has had this pension risk transfer business for a long time. He manages the sales team for both PRT and Defined Contribution Lifetime Income in the Institutional Division. He'll tell us more about that. And he is also responsible for consulting companies to reduce and remove financial risk inherent in their pension plans through the Pacific Life Suite. So we are so interested in learning all about this and more. So take it away, Pete. Thanks a lot, Hope. And uh, I'm so happy to have you on the show, Russ. Um, Russ, you and I go back, well, I guess, 30 years, probably more than 30 years. Well, let's cut it off at 30 years. Let's say 30 years is enough. (laughs) Okay, 30 (laughs) years is enough. But, um, you know, we were consulting way back when uh, at uh, another firm that uh, provided advice around pensions. And then you went off to join the insurance world or maybe rejoin. I don't know. How has that gone since? And how did you end up where you are? And what are you doing now? Yeah, well, well, thanks for inviting me on your show. I think that's really happy to be here. Yeah, it's good to be talking with you again. I know we've stayed in touch over the years, but yeah, Pete was one of my first bosses out of college. So uh, fun to kind of stay in touch and see how our, our careers have, have gone over the years. Uh, you know, in particular, it's interesting when, when I was working with Pete, we were in the consulting side and doing the pension valuations of the defined benefit plans. And then over time, seeing a lot of those defined benefit plans uh, terminate, like go away and companies switching to the 401k plans. And I, and I remember initially it was always us trying to convince them how great the DB plan was. They should keep it. And they kept going away and going away. You know, 30 years ago, there were about 93,000 private sector DB plans based on PBGC statistics. That's the, for the pension benefit guarantee corporation. And then you, you look, a you know, 10 years later from there, there was about 35,000. And then when you get to like 2020 now, uh, there's about 23,000 plans left. So they, the number of defined benefit plans has decreased dramatically. And that was part of my thought as I'm seeing as they terminate, they end up moving that to insurance companies or where the insurance companies takes that over. So part of my joining Pacific Life 12 years ago was was that thought, well, the money seems to be going over there and and it, uh, I want to be on that side helping people out where it's, where it's going on that way and another way to help people in their financial security from that side of things. Definitely. I mean, things have changed dramatically since we got into the business. And, you know, I, I tell the story about attending a, an actuarial student training session when they were telling us about this new Section K of, of 401 and how it was going to change our lives. And it did. And it completely changed our lives. And now we, we are in a world where people have to live on their 401k and, and DC accumulations. And it's, it's a very different world. So how are people doing? Are they, are they making it or not? Well, you know, it's it's interesting because we saw how the source of retirement income has changed. It's moved from defined benefit to defined contribution plans for their retirement income. But the need for the guaranteed retirement income really has not changed. And it's just how do you provide that now? And and really what we're seeing is people in retirement are are 
for the most part, not doing that great in terms of managing money and and maximizing their their happiness in retirement. You know, I always thought, and I think the always fear was, oh, they take a big lump sum from the 401k plan, they go out and buy a boat, they blow the money, they run out of money early. Some people do that. That was always my biggest fear. But interesting, the surveys and statistics showing that people actually more do the opposite, where they don't spend enough. They're so paranoid about running out of money that a lot of them just live on social security. So they may have millions of dollars in their 401k plan, but they just can't bear to actually take money out of that because it it looks like it's going down. And so they live on social security and their kids are happy because they're going to inherit all that. But these people that work their whole life to save this money to enjoy their retirement, they're really not enjoying it to the extent that they could. And and to me, that's where I think we can help is we, we see people could have a happier retirement if we could take away that fear of running out of money. Well, yes, for sure. I mean, it's 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 really about um, what what I call the decumulation problem is how do you draw down your assets or live on on your assets for the rest of your life, making sure you don't spend too much or too little. And um, so you actually you got a you got a few slides you 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 said you wanted to share that will sort of illustrate exactly what what you're talking about, right? Sure. Yeah. Let me. Uh pull that up. So we looked at some of the data from a health and retirement study from the University of Michigan and looking at uh, satisfaction in retirement. So how happy are they in retirement? And interesting, the pattern when they first retire, you can say they're saying over 50% are, are satisfied with retirement. They're kind of happy. Then there's sort of a, a drop in that where they're like their work friends, they don't have any more, their lifestyle is changing. There's some adapting and then it kind of grows again over time and they get happier again later in retirement. So this is a pattern that we that we see a lot as, as people retire. Do you find sure. that financially driven at all? Or it's just like, a, oh, my God, I really am retired and I got to I've got to I got to live for the rest of my life on what I've got. Or is it a oh, my goodness, I'm running out of money or. Yeah, I, I, I really don't know what I'm doing. Or what what where is that sad? Face yeah, coming I, from you I think there's a couple of things. I think it's some of it is just emotional of changing things, changing friends, changing habits. But I think there's an element to the the financial side of it. When they first retire, they're traveling, they're doing more things they're maybe spending money. And then it starts to hit him like, wow, I, I can't keep spending like this my whole life. I might run out of money. So I, I think the financial aspect does uh, hit them somewhat, and then they sort of adjust their their lifestyle and, and can kind of get into a groove and and become happier. What can retirees do to to yeah, make, and so, turn that sad face into a happy face? So so part of that is as we talked about, if if you have the guaranteed lifetime income, where your whole life, you your working life, you live where you're getting a, a monthly or bi monthly paycheck, and that's how you're paying your bills. And then in retirement, you're given a big pile of money if you just have a defined contribution plan. And it's hard to adapt to how do I take that pile of money, pay my bills and, and know that I'll have enough to last forever because you don't, you don't get that monthly paycheck. And so having this some type of guaranteed lifetime income can be helpful. When you break this data up into those people that had guaranteed lifetime income and those that don't have guaranteed lifetime income, you, you see a clear split in the responses where the, the blue line at the top is those that have some sort of guaranteed lifetime income in retirement. They show a similar pattern where there's a little bit of a dip and then it increases over time. But you can see there on average above that 50% line, whereas the orange group is those that did not have any lifetime income. So there's a lower satisfaction in retirement. 
you know, more concerned about running out of money because they they really don't know for sure how long their money's going to last or that they can they can spend everything they get that month and and know it's coming in the next month. So this is really what motivates me to think, hey, there there's a need for this guaranteed lifetime income. People can be happier if some portion of their income is in is in a guaranteed uh, monthly income. You know, what's interesting to me is that 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 happiness jumps up even when the retirees got plenty of money, because, I mean, even mm-hmm. that 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 sad face, you know, five to 10 years in, they're spending the money that they've got. It's not that they're in any risk of, you know, running out right away. Mm-hmm. And yet they're still unhappy. And uh, I guess it gets a, they get a little bit happier towards the end because they get reconciled to the fact that they're going to run out of money or, <laughs> yeah. or or whatever. But it's just interesting to me that that guarantee has an effect right away. Yeah, it, it is interesting. And, and I think it's just some human nature, just the behavioral economics and stuff. When you, when you know you have that money coming in every month, it's kind of like a license to spend. Like if you're getting $5,000 a month, you can spend that whole 5,000, you know, next month, another check is showing up. If you're pulling 5,000 out of your 401k plan, you start to think about, well, wait, that went down. How much more can I do this? What if the stock market goes down as well? And I'm like, oh my God, I, I better not take any more money out for a couple of months because my account's gone down in value. That right. All those worries kind of go away when you you covered your fixed expenses anyway. What are we talking about here when you when you talk about lifetime income? Because you know a DC plan is a DC plan and it's an account balance. And I, I know- all I can do is I can I can ask for distributions from my 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 401k. That's that's about it. What what are you talking about here? Well, I think the the difference is when you have some guaranteed lifetime income, and so that uh, is from an insurance company that can offer that guarantee. That's part of the business that 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 we're in is not just the life insurance part that you think about when you die, but offering the annuity or the guaranteed lifetime income, where they can just guarantee to pay it as long as you're still alive. So. In theory, the money you paid for that might run out, but that's the insurance company's problem. They got to keep paying you if you live to age 110 still. And and that's the guarantee that you can't get from just your investments. Now, can you provide that kind of guarantee through a 401k? I mean, are there options within a 401k that will do that? Or do you have to take the distribution and then go and then call call up Pack Life and say, I want an annuity? Well, there you can always do that where you can take the money, roll it into an IRA, and then you're going to the retail market. You may be talking to a, a broker and advisor that can go to the insurance company and, and purchase that annuity for you. The issue there is that you're paying retail rates and you may be paying higher commissions on the retail side for that customized service, as opposed to if the plan sponsor sets up this uh, annuity contract in their 401k plan, they'll often negotiate no commissions, the wholesale type pricing. So you can be saving your participants, you know, three, four, five percent right off the top there by having the annuity contract directly with the insurance company and you save all those commissions. So a great benefit for your employees. It makes it simpler for them to to be able to roll it directly from the 401k plan into the insurance company. Okay. So that's that's what I was going to ask you is how do all these moving parts work together? I mean, let's just say I'm a I'm a participant and I've got uh and I'm I'm working for uh, you know let's say um, Reagan Auto Parts, and I've got a I've got a 401k balance, and I'm I'm ready to retire. How do I get 
how do, do I go to my plan sponsor and say, um, give me a life, in, life income option? Or, or do I bug the HR department to contract with, uh, with PAC Life to make sure there's an option? I mean, how does that all work? Yeah, please do go bug your plan sponsor. So <laughs> that, that helps us. But it is interesting. Some of the, the deals we've seen come to market have been exactly that way, where it was the HR department came to us and said, you know, our employees keep bugging us that they need this guaranteed lifetime income. So we're adding it to the plan. You know, we don't want to be bothered by it, but can you guys just set it up and attach to our plan? So when they bug us, we can send them your way. So we see some are that way. More and more though, they're they're hearing it in the market. They're hearing their employees. Surveys show a lot of employees say they want guaranteed lifetime income. So we know the desire is there. And you know, when you look at it financially, you can see it makes sense for a lot of people. And you know, also with the Secure 2.0 Act, the plan sponsors are going to have to start showing that equivalent monthly annuity amount on their 401k statements. So participants will start asking, hey, where do I get that number that you're showing me on my statement? And the the plan sponsors want an answer to that. So they're like, hey, right. we want to negotiate this with the, with an insurance company so that we can have, we can send them somewhere when, they, when they're looking for that lifetime income. So part of what, what you do at Pack Life, just so I so people understand your role here, is to work with plan sponsors who have 401ks and would like to provide that kind of life income option. And then you guys would then take over. I mean, how how does that all work? Do you take over the management of the 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 part of the account, or is it just when the when the person goes into retirement? How does how does that work? Well, so it, it works at the point where the, the money would come over to the insurance company. So we're not taking over the record keeping or the asset management of those that are just in the 401k plan. It, it's more of when they're ready to select that annuity. So that amount of money would come over to us. And, and there's different solutions, but the ones where it's at retirement, the ones that have been around the longest, where somebody's 65, they want an annuity to cover their fixed expenses. Uh, we can give a, a a price for that annuity. It can be set up automated through the plan with, you know, uh, quoting systems and stuff like that. So the participant can say, Hey, I need 5,000 a month. How much does that cost me? That can be transferred then out of the 401k or, or other defined contribution plan. And then we start monthly payments to that participant. Um, There's other solutions that are more in plan solutions. So it's where you may be building up uh, values in the annuities during your working lifetime. So maybe starting at age 50, you start building up an account. Uh, where, where you're building some um, benefit towards this monthly benefit. And then you may still have the option to exit out at 65. If you decide you don't want it after all, you can cash out and go buy your boat if that's what you prefer to do. So there's we're working on a lot of solutions to help participants as they get closer to retirement to really understand that need. And, and some I, of that I, is, I, go ahead. I, I guess, and and, pa- and PacLife does do record keeping and, and, uh, uh, do you do, do record keeping in your own? We, we don't do the record keeping for the 401k plan. So we, okay. we're just doing the, you know, we obviously take over all the administration after they purchase the annuity or the I lifetime see. income. So they'll be calling our, our call center. We'll help them if they're still in a deferred stage where they're, as they're getting ready to retire, we'll notify them, hey, you're 65, you can start your benefit, all those kind of things that, um, that we would do to help them with that benefit. And if they're changing their address, changing their banking information, all of that can be done online or calling our call center. So that's kind of where the insurance companies really are, are taking over 
administering that annuity portion of the benefit. There are other insurance companies that do the record keeping as well. Pacific Life does not. We're focusing on just helping right. the participant with their lifetime income. Right. It's and it's so so. I guess the the message or the the, the takeaway for for participants out there is that this can be they should be looking at their four hundred one k and their sponsor and seeing. Is this this is this an option in the four hundred one k? And if it's not, ask the question because sponsors should be feeding a path to your door for these kinds of things. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yes. It's just a great benefit for the employees when you anything where you can do where hey, I can save my employees four or five percent and help them have a happier retirement. That that seems like a win win. So more generally, you've 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 thought a lot about the um, you know the decumulation, the retirement income strategy question. Do you have particular strategies that you think are appropriate or work better than others? Yeah. So it's interesting. Some of the the creative things that are are coming up from some of our clients as well. And one of the things that we you, you may have heard some about, but people talk about delaying the start of Social Security, where let's say your Social Security retirement age was 65, or I know for some it's 67, 68 or now. But if you delay it from starting at 65 to starting at 70, you're actually going to get a, a increase in the Social Security benefit, and and there's some value in doing that. But employees need some help to figure that out. So this graph I have up here would be a, a traditional one if somebody only has a defined contribution plan like a 401k plan. They retire at 65, they start drawing their Social Security benefit, and they start start drawing down their 401k benefit. And we show a line there for where their fixed expenses are. So in this example. Their fixed expenses are a little higher than Social Security. Um, they're covering that with the 401k, and then their variable expenses are also drawing that from the 401k plan. And at some point, that certainly could run out if they're doing that. And we're showing like around age 85 or so. They, what if they run out of money on the 401k plan? Then they've got the big red box there. That's the shortfall. And you see the expense line. Often it starts to go up later in life. You might have medical expenses, other things that start kicking in there. So you're running out of money, right, in the case where you, you maybe need it the most. And certainly you, you got to plan to live longer than just 85. As as actuaries, we know sometimes you hear the life expectancy is age 76, but that's from age zero, not from age 65 or 70. You, you're going to expect to live a lot longer. So very likely that you and or your spouse, if you're married, are, are going to live past age 86 and, and even have a good chance one of you living to age 100. So that red area is a real concern for people and the potential of running out of money is a concern. And so that's where if you um, you look at, is there some way to get some guaranteed income in there? And first of all, one of the thoughts, and this is one of our clients did this, they actually won an innovation award for doing this, where they set up to default to delay somebody's social security age to age 70. And they built in a drawdown strategy from the DC plan to cover that gap from 65 to 70, and then some uh, continued income for life, but also added a QLAC on there, so the Qualifying Longevity Annuity Contract. I was just going to stop yeah. you there because Q QLAC, I'm not sure everybody knows what that is. Maybe we can take a step back and sure. explain a little bit what a QLAC is, and and I, that's yet another yeah. product that... that uh, Life provides, right? Sure. Yeah. So I think this is a, a really great solution that's available in the market now. So somebody 
for example, at age 65 or even earlier, you can purchase this basically a deferred annuity or some deferred lifetime income where you purchase it at 65, but you don't start drawing that benefit until age 80 or 85, for example. And the nice thing is you get some real leverage there on buying it early and having it deferred that it, it makes it very affordable to do that. It can be set up where it's got a, a refund. So if you die early, you can get the money back so you don't lose it. But the value is in a situation like this, where if you are worried about running out of money at some point later in life, that QLAC kicks in and gives you that extra money you might need later in life. So even if you step back and, and ignore some of the other guaranteed income you can get prior to age 85, if you're just drawing down your 401k plan, you know, a lot of us, maybe at 65, we still feel pretty bright and we're thinking like, hey, I'm pretty good at investing. I think I could invest my 401k money and manage it for the next 20 years. And I think I'll still be pretty sharp. But if I live to age 100, do I do I really want myself at age 90 making the investment decisions of where that money's going? At, at some age, it might be better to have some guaranteed money kicking in. And for me, that's what I'm thinking is, hey, let's do something for 20 years where I can manage it. But I've got the whole period covered from 85 all the way till the end of however long I live, whether it's 100 or 110, I've got that covered. Now, this strategy seems to integrate directly with Social Security in a sense that, you know, where I guess you're saying, take it at 70. I mean, I've asked each of the last couple actuaries that have been on here, when do you think someone should take Social Security? Yeah, I, I, it, it certainly goes, it increases about 8% a year or so if you delay Social Security. So there's obviously personal situations that you look at in terms of your health and things like that that, that may affect that. But for for most people and, and this company and or this organization in particular saw that by delaying Social Security, what they were what their result was they were able to provide higher monthly income day one at age 65 and lower risk of running out of money. And it's really just leveraging that increase in Social Security is how they did that. This sounds fantastic and it makes a world of sense. <clears throat> My question is, what kind of response are you getting from the sponsors? Yeah, it, it is interesting where we, over the last, uh, I don't know, three or four years, we've gotten a big pickup in the number of plan sponsors that are reaching out to us to ask about guaranteed lifetime income. When I when I started with Pacific Life 12 years ago, it was kind of a hot thing for me. It was like, hey, we need this. Our country needs this lifetime income. The defined contribution plans are not providing it. And there really was not a lot of take up of people being interested in that. But lately it has been. And, and even when we, there's a, a survey WTW did um, in 2019 that was showing that about one in five have some type of guaranteed lifetime income in their DC plan now. So, you know, one in five people are doing something. So they're starting to do something more and more. What I think the value is, as we think of where we're going, um, is think about the default strategies that we use in the accumulation. Like, you know, throughout our careers as we're thinking like, okay, we're the 401k plans and the matching contributions and defaulting people into the plan because we couldn't get enough coverage in the plans. But if if you remember, the defaults always started with like defaulting them into the money market plan. And everyone would just leave it there in the money market plan. And then we would realize, okay, that's not a very good lifetime return that you're getting there. So they would start defaulting them into a target date fund and and auto accelerating the contributions and, and all that default stuff 
did a great job of increasing that those account balances and that accumulation. But we're not doing that yet on the on the retirement drawdown side. So that one client we talked about in particular before, they really have that default of like, hey, if they want that strategy, they default them into delaying Social Security, default them into the QLAC, and then they have the option to exit out of that. That does beg the question of how do you invest the rest of the money? And I mean, I don't know if you've got any thoughts about that. I mean, but you know, the, 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 those default options got people to invest very, very conservatively, which in bad times is good, but in good times is not so good. And, yeah, you know, I guess these days we, I guess I would characterize the terms as just uncertain. I mean, the interest mm-hmm. rates are higher than they have been. Inflation's higher than it has been, but it's not clear where it's going. So can you talk a little bit about how these strategies play in a risky, uncertain interest and in, in inflation environment? Yeah, it, it is interesting because you think about the the guaranteed lifetime income portion of it. You, you know you're getting this set amount of money, which helps cover fixed expenses at least. Um, it may or may not cover inflation. So that's the you know the other side of inflation goes crazy. If you're on a fixed monthly amount, that could start erode, eroding that portion of your income. Whereas, you know, equity markets a lot of times are thought to to keep up with inflation better than than just a fixed income. Well, so that's you, a that that's a question I have. Is, mm-hmm. is so so these uh, life income options, they cannot incorporate a increasing or inflation protecting um kind of uh well the, yeah they certainly can and oh. so that you know you could have in a just even the traditional um fixed annuities can still have a cost of living adjustment built in so maybe it's two or three percent they're usually a, a fixed percentage uh you, you could have them as well where it's tied to an inflation index but that's more rare it's typically a a fixed three percent or something like that that you that you would purchase so there's that ability so they certainly can do that. Some of the other solutions that we're working on may have more of a uh, some variability in that, where there's some equity component of the of the payout, so it could have some inflation protection. That was going to be my next question: is what's on the drawing board? Where are these li- lifetime income options going? I mean, you know, the world has changed a lot in 30 years, and maybe it's going to be it's going to be the way it is for now, for a while, i.e. people are going to have to live on their assets. But if so, where do you see products from from your company and and the insurance industry in general going? Yeah, you know what? I really think that if if you look at it and step back and think, hey, we want to try to help the most people that we can in retirement. We want to provide this financial security. And how do we get to help the most people? And one of the big challenges is if people have this pile of money that they've accumulated over their life and they're they're at retirement and they've got a, a million dollars or something in their in their DC plan and they're going to take 500,000 of that and purchase some guaranteed monthly income for the average person that's a tough decision to make you're at retirement there's lots of emotions and decisions going on in your head and now you have to spend $500,000 all at once to buy this lifetime income. If that's your first time thinking about that, that's a hard decision to make. And so the more that these can be built into the plan earlier. So think about with the old defined benefit plan. When you were working for the company with that, 
you were just accumulating this monthly benefit that you could calculate and estimate. And when you got to retirement, you were counting on that monthly benefit. Uh, you didn't really stop to think that, you know, that benefit's worth $500,000 in cash. You just thought I had that monthly benefit. And, and some of the behavioral economics where they look at people value what they have more than what it would purchase. And mm. so interesting when somebody has a defined benefit plan that's worth 5,000 a month, for example, and if you told them, hey, we'll, we'll buy that from you for 500,000, they might say, no, I'm, I'm counting on that 5,000 a month. That's what I'm living on. That's more valuable to me. And if you took the same situation, you gave somebody the 500,000 that they've had all their life and said, hey, how would you like to trade that for 5,000 a month? They would say, no, this 500,000 is worth way more to me than that 5,000. And it's just the whole thing of what you have is sometimes worth more than it's actually, than what you could trade it for. And so getting that in people's heads earlier on, that the purpose of our defined contribution plan now is not a savings plan, it's not a thrift plan, it's it's a plan for your retirement income that needs to last the rest of your life. And so you should be thinking of that in terms of monthly income to pay your monthly expenses. And if we can implant that early in in their working life and show the buildup of that, when they get to retirement, they'll, they'll have already made that decision of like, hey, this is... I'm planning on living on this. This lifetime income is what I needed. And and well, so they'll easier to pull that trigger and say, yeah, I, I know that money's going for this lifetime income. That's what I always already planned it for. That's great. But what it does beg the question is, why wouldn't we go back to having DB plans? <laughs> I mean, it sounds yeah. to me like everything old is new again, you know? Yeah. You know, it, it's interesting that the, I still love DB plans. It's, I think corporate America really didn't like the volatility that caused on their balance sheet. And, and that I think is what ultimately forced those out when they have to show as the as the interest rates go up and down, which changes their liability, impacts their balance sheet. You know, they could their company could be having a perfectly fine year, but interest rates go down at the end of the year. So their liability goes up. Therefore, they've got a shortfall in their pension plan that hits shareholder equity. It reduces shareholder equity. And I had lots right. of CFOs tell me, my company had a great year, but my shareholders just saw their equity drop because of this pension plan. Like I'm getting rid of that. I don't. I don't need that headache. Right. And the 401k plan doesn't do that. So I think those the DB plans are doomed for most of corporate America. Right. And so I guess what these life income solutions and the and the products that you're pro providing mm -hmm. takes away some of that risk and some of that uncertainty, mm -hmm. but it still doesn't take away all of it because you know, whether or not that income is going to be sufficient in the, the inflation or the particular individual's expense characteristics is still a risk that mm -hmm. the corporations have successfully offloaded to the employees. And I guess, yep. by and large, people were pretty happy with that trade-off. I remember when, when we were in the, in the DB world, employees liked it because they mm -hmm. liked the control. They liked, um, yep. they liked having access to their money. And well- this is the trade-off that, and maybe it was a win-win situation, but I think it sounds like Pack Life is doing some things to try to tilt it to make it at least more of a win-win than it. Yeah, was. I think that was it. I think the employees like they they were okay taking the investment risk, and it it to some extent it's a little bit easier when you're still working too, where you're taking that investment risk. Like you know, the last five years or so, we've had volatility in the stock market. I think there's people that maybe adjust when they retire, where it's like, okay, I was going to retire, but my stocks just dropped 20%. So I'm going to work a couple more years. That's okay when you can adjust your retirement date. But once you're retired, 
that, that's when it's harder to, to, you can't go back to work as easy when you're 80 right? to try to earn and a little extra uh, money. And that's where you need some guarantees in, in so retirement. That, that of course is gets, it gets to sequence of return risks yeah. and, and why the decumulate, one of the reasons the decumulation problem is so uh, gnarly. Mm-hmm. And um, unfortunately, I think we're just about out of time. Um, yeah. So um, we'll have to save sequence of returns and yeah. all the other risks associated with DQ. I mean, you know, we, yeah. could, we could talk like this forever, but um, yeah. And I think we're, we're working on a lot another. of those things. So right. I think that is something that as, as we see these things are like, okay, there are solutions around that. It, it, I think it starts with trying to keep it simple. Like right. you and I could come up with a really complicated, perfect solution, but nobody would else would understand it. And all the actuaries would love it, but nobody else would quite right. grasp it. And the right. idea is you can do things very simple that, that solve most of the issues. And, and that's really where we're at now is let's, let's do the easy stuff that we already have that will help people immensely in, in retirement and, and they'll enjoy their retirement, be happier in retirement, which is kind of what I, my motivation is I want to, to help people be happier in retirement. Well, absolutely. And in fact, I believe very strongly in the insurance industry and the, and the, and the value that life insurance and their products, both annuities and life insurance provides to society in, and uh, individuals trying to uh, deal with the uncertainties of life. And so I want to thank you for being here and thank Pack Life for, for all of the wonderful products that are out there. Yeah. Thanks for the invitation. It's a pleasure being here. Always, always fun to talk with you. So yeah, anytime. Happy to be back on or, or have you on one of our uh, podcasts as well again. All right. Great. All right. Thank you both. That was so fascinating. You know, <laughs> most people don't dig this deep into how this works. And we thank our audience for coming in and listening to Money Mountaineering with actuary Peter Newworth and today's guest, Russ Proctor, AVP and Managing Director of Pensions at Pacific Life. Thank you again. We will definitely have you back for more about that conversation, Russ. Thank you, everyone. We will talk to you again for another episode of Money Mountaineering. I'm Hope Katz Gibbs, producer of the show on Incandescent Radio and Incandescent TV. We'll see you again next month.